We praise God for Octavio. Uh, I've gotten to know Octavio a lot over the years. He's a great, great gentleman, young adult, loves the Lord and loves to serve. So we praise God for his life. Well, good morning, Calvary Baptist Church. I pray that you survived the blizzard that came in this past few days. Uh, you were bundled up, had your hot chocolate. Uh, I, I'm not an uh, Abuelita chocolate fan. I always get a lot of hate for that. I like the Swiss stuff. I don't know why, but it's just good for me. It takes me back home. But this morning, I'm so glad. I, I, my name is Eli Garza, by the way. I have the privilege and the blessing to serve as the student pastor here at Calvary. And, and I cannot stress enough how God uh, has just blessed me through that. It's just been just so amazing to see our students come. And, and I, I love our students. And I love that I get to do it with my home here at Calvary Baptist Church. And, and it's just been such a privilege. And I have the privilege of sharing this morning as well uh, from what we talked about last week. But before that, I really actually want to take a moment to celebrate. We did something really cool yesterday for the first time, I think, uh, here at Calvary. And we actually took a team of, of, of students to the mall, right? And that's, that's normal. Students like to go to the mall. But we went with a mission in mind. We went to go and to share the gospel of Jesus to strangers, complete strangers. And, and we said, okay, students, a lot, of, a lot of people here are your age. I'm not going to go up to them because I'd probably go to jail. And so you need to go and share with these younger students. And praise God, we had 16 conversations. We had six, student, uh, we had six people prayed over, and we had one come to know Jesus. And <laughs> yeah, that's something to celebrate. Our students, I'm talking about, we had middle school and high school students go and be bold. And, and we had their, our leaders with them to make sure they were safe and everything. And it was just so amazing to see just the willingness, right, of our students to go and be the light to the world. Amen. And I just wanted to, to celebrate that with you this morning. Well, if you were here last week, you were able to get part one of the soap opera of, of the life of Joseph, right? Pastor Julio opened up the story with who Joseph was, how he was loved by his family, specifically his father loved him a lot, enough to give him a special robe. Uh, he was always favored over his other brothers. And obviously that led to hatred and envy from his brothers, which also led to them wanting to not have him around anymore. Not only that, right, Joseph then also has a gift from God. He's able to interpret dreams. He's able to see what God gives in his mind and, and, and share it and interpret it to people. And so one day he goes up to his brothers and he says, hey, you know, one of these days you're going to bow down to me, right? And the brothers, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm an older brother. So the younger brother came up to me and said that I'd say, you're out of your mind. I will never bow down to you. I'm older. I'm the best. And so, but in this case, obviously, the brothers are upset. So they decide to kill him. But instead of killing him, they, uh, they sell him into slavery. They get a robe. Dip it, they get his robe, dip it in blood, say, hey, dad, I'm sorry Joseph's dead. He's no more. The father is upset and angry. Um, but Joseph, we got to see also how much God loved him and how much God favored Joseph because of the hand that was on Joseph throughout every situation that Joseph went through. As he was sold into slavery, God still had favor on Joseph. And Pastor Julio did a great job reminding us, as even though our dreams may look shattered, God will continue to have his hand on Joseph. And so he goes into slavery. His master loves him, finds favor in his master. So he treats Joseph well, and Joseph is doing well, and God is blessing him. And then, of course, something else comes along the road, the wife of the master says, hey, I like this young fella. I'm going to try and do some things with him. And he says, no, I'm not going to do that to my master. Doesn't matter. The wife says, well, I'm going to frame you anyway. He gets in trouble. 
and now the master's upset and then here goes Joseph into prison and into jail. But then we see in prison also God's favor and him uh, with the guards, the, the guards favor him and they love him and they say, okay, we're going to put you in a position to kind of oversee the prison while you're in here. And, and we see again God's hand sustaining Joseph. And then we find towards the end of, of last week where we find Joseph in a prison there, right? And two people enter the prison. And that's where Pastor Julio kind of ended the story, right? But we were reminded of God's faithfulness in Joseph's life throughout those hard and difficult times through, through the slavery or through the, uh, the brothers uh, selling him to slavery, through the master and, and, the, and the wife, you know, sending him to prison and now in the prison being, you know, stuck in there with two other guys and trying to figure out what's going on. Why is this, this happening to Joseph? And so today we're going to have the privilege of finishing that story. Part two of this novella of the life of Joseph. But before that, I really want to dive into prayer as we get into God's word. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for this morning. Jesus, I praise you first and foremost for, for Octavio and his life and for following in obedience and baptism. We praise you, Jesus, for that. We praise you uh, for what you're doing here at Calvary. Father, we praise you because you continue to remain faithful you continue to sustain us. You continue to show us how great you are. And so, Jesus, as we enter into your word, as we look into the story of Joseph again, would you convict us? Would you remind us of who you are? Would you remind us that this is your truth, the only truth that exists in this world, and that we would abide by your word, on only by your word, Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would convict us, that we would be sensitive to that, that we would be ready and attentive to receive what it is that you have for us. May your words speak loudly, Jesus. May we just be vessels. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, I have a question. I don't know if you will be able to relate to me, but one of my biggest pet peeves in life is when I set up a meeting or when somebody asks to, to talk to me, set up a phone call or a message, say, hey, can, can I text you back in whatever, how many minutes? You know, I want to talk to you. That's great. Yeah, I'm always willing. I want to talk. That's great. Let's do it. Let's set it up. But if you set up a time to call and I call and you don't answer, man, that's one of the most irritating things to me. Okay. And, and I'm about to share with you, I'm going to confess with you, really repent of how I handle these situations. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is probably not the best way to handle this situation. But again, I'm transparent. I'm imperfect. I'm just going to tell you, this is my confession there. Okay. If you need to confess with me too, like about, if you relate to me, you can do that later. But right now this is my time to say, Hey, this is how I handle the situation. Okay. So I get very upset. I get irritated, but obviously there's grace, right? Jesus. Okay, fine. Like I, I call, no answer. You know what, God, there's grace. Probably was busy. Maybe he forgot or she forgot. No worries. Right. Okay. Call again. Okay, now, God, maybe you're just testing my patience. Okay, there's, there's some trials. You just, it's okay. Like, you know, I still have grace. I'm going to be patient, Lord. No worries, no worries. Like, it's not that we planned this the past week, right? It's okay. It's not a big deal. The third time I call and no one answers, I said, okay, yeah, I'm really upset. This is not good. This is not a test. Either your phone died, either you got your phone stolen, or you misplaced your phone, or you're just blatantly ignoring me, right? And so I get so frustrated and irritated when we just decided, yeah, we're going to talk at this time because you're really, really busy, so we're going to talk at this time. 
and, and I don't want to, you know, interrupt their time and say, okay, they, they agree to that. Okay, great, awesome. And it doesn't happen. So what happens then is if they decide to call me back later, right, I get my phone, I look at it, I see that it's them, I smile at the phone, I say, oh, they're calling me back, finally. Boom, straight to voicemail, block their number, they're not gonna hear anything from me, right? That is, how, that is not the best way to handle it, okay? You, you probably shouldn't do that, okay? They will probably have a good reason, sometimes they don't, but it doesn't matter. The point is, is that one of the most frustrating things for me is that, indeed, right? Is that I, you, dude, we just agreed to this, why aren't you answering my phone call? And you're gonna call me back? No, I'm not gonna answer you, bro, like that's not gonna happen, right? And I realized something that I myself struggle with. I realized that we live in a world, right, that we can get information instantly. We can receive things within seconds. I mean, I can tell Siri, I don't even have to touch a button. I just gotta say, hey Siri, where's the nearest Whataburger? And it'll send me to Whataburger and I don't have to worry about it. It'll even talk to me, turn left here or whatever, right? For some reason it ends up going to some salad place, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> The point is, is that we have instant information with the tips of our fingertips, right? And I realized that I've gotten so comfortable with the advancement of technology, where we can gain information so quickly within seconds, that I have forgotten the value of true patience. And I feel like that's something that we need to talk about. As Pastor Julio mentioned last week, there was a lot of time that Joseph went through a lot of trials and, and different things that took time. And we still have yet to see if his dreams are gonna come to fruition, the one where his brothers are gonna bow down to him right now. Like, that still hasn't happened yet. That we're still in the middle of the story. And I realized that I have a problem with patience and trusting in the Lord, trusting that he will indeed keep his promises, right? And this is where we pick up the story with Joseph. I realize that he has a much better understanding than I do of what true patience looks like. If you remember, again, Joseph is in prison and two people join him. One's a cupbearer and one is a bread maker that have been sent to prison, right? And they share with Joseph that, hey, we have some dreams here. Like, we're really sad. Like, and I just don't know what it means. And Joseph says, hey, I know a thing or two about dreams. Like, let me listen to him. They share their dreams with Joseph Joseph decides to interpret it and says, this is what this means, right? For the cupbearer, hey, it's awesome. You're gonna go back, you're gonna be reinstated. You'll continue to be a cupbearer. For the bread maker, it's not looking so good for you, man. I'm sorry, but this is what's gonna happen, right? He had told the cupbearer not to forget about him, though, when he was reinstated back in his position. But of course, what happens is that the cupbearer gets reinstated and he forgets about Joseph for two years years. Scripture says in the story that two years went by and finally, right, the Pharaoh also has dreams that need to be interpreted. So the Pharaoh is looking for people to interpret his dreams and he's, you know, not finding anybody. And then finally the, 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 the cupbearer says, hey, wait a minute, I remember something. And we pick up the story here in verse nine, it says, then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, today I remember my faults. Pharaoh was angry with his servants and he put me and the chief baker in the custody of the captain of the guards. He and I had dreams on the same night. Each dream had its own meaning. Now, a young Hebrew, a slave of the captain of the guards was with us there. We told him our dreams. He interpreted our dreams for us. 
and each had its own interpretation, it turned out just the way that he interpreted them to us. And I was restored to my position, the other man was hanged. So then Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and they quickly brought him from the dungeon. He shaved, changed his clothes, and went to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said, I have a dream, and no one can interpret it, but I've heard it said about you that you can hear a dream and interpret it. Now imagine Joseph. He's been waiting for two years for something to happen, right? He has interpreted dreams. They've come true of the cupbearer and of the bread maker. They've come to fruition. Now here he is again being asked to interpret the dream of Pharaoh, right? Now, if I had to be honest with myself, if I was Joseph, I'd be like, no way, man. Like, I've been waiting for my dream to come true. I'm not going to interpret any other dreams, right? I'm not going to do anything for you. I, I asked my son, because we don't know. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say in those two years what Joseph did, right? We're, we can only guess, right? So what I do, I say, okay, if I was Joseph, what, what would I be thinking? Well, first of all, if I was in a prison for two years, I'd be thinking, where in the world is that cupbearer? <laughs> Like, where is he? I literally just told him, don't forget about me, right? And it's the phone call all over again. A day goes by. Ah, maybe he forgot. It's no big deal. Like, maybe he's just winning. You know, it's not, it's not a big deal. Maybe he's just getting reinstated. He's taking it slow, right? A week goes by. Okay. Maybe he's just looking for, like, the perfect time to share. That's okay. Like, I'm not going to freak out. A month goes by. Yo, did this cupbearer die? Like, where is he? I told him not to forget about me. But now, two years later, finally, he remembers, Right? And I think about Joseph in those two years in prison and what I would be doing. And honestly, the last time, the, anything that I can compare to going to prison, because I haven't been to prison, thank God, is the time that I was in quarantine, right? Just sitting in my room, sitting in the house, not being able to go out, just stranded there. But at least I had Netflix, right? At least I had my Xbox or something, right? Like Joseph had nothing in the prison. And even then, with, with the luxury of the things that I have, I'm still thinking, man, God, what is, what's going to happen? Are we going to survive this year? Am I going to die? Am I going to get COVID? Is Calvary still going to be around? Are we still going to have a church at the end of this? Are we going to lose people? Are we going to gain people? What, what is happening, right? And that's, that's the only way that I can relate to this because, again, I've never been to prison, but the thing that I've noticed is that Joseph has way better understanding of who God is than I do because of his response. Again, Pharaoh asks him, hey, interpret my dream. And this is what Joseph says. He says, I'm not able to, chief. Sorry. Pharaoh's like, wait, wait, what? But everybody's been telling me that you can interpret dreams. No, I'm not able to. It's God who will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. I am not able, but God is. And how amazing that we can be reminded this morning that we serve a God who can do immeasurably more than we can think or ask. Amen. How amazing is it to know that when I'm unable to keep going, my God is able to keep me going. While I'm unable to renew my strength, my God is able to renew my strength. While I'm unable to stay peaceful and reminded of his promises, my God is able to remind me through his favor and his faithfulness and sustaining me through the years of waiting and wondering. My God is able. I'm not able, but my God is able. And I ask us this morning, is there something in your life right now that you're saying, I'm not able because I'm telling you, you're not. And if you think you are, you're wrong. But your God is able. 
Your God is able to do immeasurably more than you can think or ask. And so Joseph interprets the dreams, explains how there's going to be seven years of abundance, and then there's going to be seven years of famine and hardship, proposes a plan to Pharaoh and says, hey, look, this is what's going to go down, but within those seven years, we can, like, save some food, right, so that when the seven years of famine come, we can, like, survive, and we can even make some money off of it, and we can sell food and keep the people happy and living, and, you know, like, he, he, he's just formulating this business plan, really, for the Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's loving everything about it, he says, this is great, I'm so glad that your God is giving you this information for me, right, and so, the proposal pleased Pharaoh and all of his servants, not just Pharaoh, but everybody. And he said to them, can we find anyone like this? A man who has God's spirit in him. And I stopped right there when I read that and I said, whoa. So not only is Joseph interpreting the dreams of the Pharaoh, reminding Pharaoh that it's God who is able, not him. But God is shown in the spirit, uh, uh, through, through Joseph, through his spirit, to the point where Pharaoh says, man, there is nobody like this Joseph. In other words, they're saying there's nobody like the God that Joseph serves. And I wonder, man, if I were to be someone who loved God so much, or that we would be a church that loved God so much that people would see God's spirit in them, would we be a church where when someone comes for the first time, would they be able to see God's spirit in this church? Would they be able to see Jesus transforming lives in Calvary? And it convicted me. I said, Father, forgive me for the times that I've disobeyed. Forgive me, Jesus, because I know that you're transforming. I know that you're powerful. Allow me, Father, to be filled with your spirit so that others can see and know the goodness of who you are, just like Joseph is showing to Pharaoh. And we're called to be a church like that. Are you someone that is so filled with God's spirit that somebody says, man, I need, I need something like that? Why is this guy rejoicing in the times of his trials? Why is this guy praising God? In his darkness. Why? There's got to be something. And Joseph is saying right here, it's because of his faithfulness and goodness that has sustained me up until this point. Regardless. Regardless of my, whether or not my dreams have come to fruition yet. I'm going to serve my God because he's able to and I'm not. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, yo, since God has made all this known to you, there's no one as discerning and wise as you are. You will be over my house and all my people will obey your commands. Only I, as, only I as a king will be greater than you. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, see, I am placing you over all the land of Egypt. So he removed his ring, gave it to Joseph and clothed him with fine linen garments. He had Joseph ride in the second chariot and servants called out before him, make way. So he placed him over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said, I am Pharaoh. And no one will be able to raise his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt without your permission. Within a moment, God's faithfulness shows up again. Within a moment of being obedient and interpreting the dreams of Pharaoh, he becomes the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. 
And I say right there, yet again, God is showing up and he's showing out. He has consistently proven that he has had his hand on Joseph. But still, again, we have yet to see the original dream that Joseph had come to fruition. And this is where the story gets interesting. Because now the brothers come back into the mix. The famine, after the years of of, uh, abundance, seven years of abundance, now begins the seven years of famine. And two years into it, now the famine has reached deep over Egypt and other areas to the point where the brothers and their family, and, and, and Jacob, Jacob and his sons, the, the brothers, now need food. They need to go and get some food. And so they find out that Egypt has all the food and you can go and buy food. So what does he do? He, Jacob sends his son, hey, go to Egypt, go buy food for us so we can survive. And so they go. And of course, Joseph recognizes his brothers, but they don't recognize him. Here stands Joseph in front of the ones who sold him into slavery, in front of the ones who took him away from his father and his mother, who wanted to initially kill Joseph, who sold him into slavery. And so what does Joseph do? Well, I'd love to say that he said, everything's forgiven and you're blessed. No, Joseph wasn't perfect. Joseph was still course struggling with his human emotion side and of course just like the same way I hung up the phone he says you know well I'm going to test my brothers he doesn't know they don't know that I'm Joseph they don't know that I'm actually the second most powerful man in the earth but I'm going to see what my brothers have been up to these past few years what's going on and so his brothers approach them they're trying to buy food and, and they get food and then Joseph says wait a minute no these guys are spies these guys are enemies of Egypt they're trying to just take our stuff and, and the brother's like, what? No, no, we have money. Like, here's our money. Like, we're paying for things. We're not trying to start any drama or any commotion or anything like that. But Joseph says, no, you're spies. And, and here's this whole commotion of them trying to figure out. And the brother's like, no, look, this is our, our family. But our youngest brother stayed back. His name is Benjamin with our father because our father loves Benjamin. And, and we're just trying to get food to them. And so Joseph says, okay, you know what? Fine. What we're going to do here is you're going to go back. We'll take this food. But I'm keeping a few of you here in prison. And you can't get out until you bring Benjamin over here the youngest brother that you so-called have, and prove to me that he's there. And then I'll release them. The brother's like, oh man, no, no, we can't do this. We've already done this to Joseph. Like we can't, we can't possibly bring another brother into the mix of this. But they go back and some brothers stay behind in prison. And the brothers tell the father of everything that's going on. Hey, this is the situation, dad. Uh, our brothers are over there and the only way that we can get them back is if we bring Benjamin and the, and the dad immediately. No way. Absolutely not. There's no way. I've already lost Joseph. I've already lost one of my sons. I'm not about to lose another son. There's no way that you're going to take Benjamin over there because I can't, you can't guarantee me that you're going to bring him back. And the brother's like, no, father. Like, we're just telling you how it is. And the dad's just upset and just frustrated because he knows, he knows that something bad could happen to Benjamin. And Benjamin is his favorite, right? He's the youngest brother. He's the baby of the family. Which I don't understand because I'm the oldest and I'm the favorite. But, but Benjamin, for some reason, the youngest, is loved so much by this father. And so they eat, they, they eat up all their food once again. And so they have to go back and say, look, we're not going back without Benjamin, Dad, because we're going to get in a lot of trouble. Reluctantly, fine, the father says, you better bring him back. You better bring him back. So they go, they walk back, and they see Joseph again. But this time's a, a little bit different. Joseph sees Benjamin, he says, okay, let's have a party or whatnot, let's have a lunch, prepares dinner for them, they're eating. While they're eating, (laughs) Joseph decides 
to slip uh, some things into uh, Benjamin's bag, right, to frame him. And before everybody leaves after the eating, Joseph again accuses them, wait a minute, there's something, somebody stole something. And they open the bag and inside Benjamin's bag is a cup. And Joseph says, I knew it, you stole something from me. And the brothers again are freaking out and they're like, no, 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 this is a big misunderstanding. We don't know how that got there, please, please. And they're pleading with Joseph. They're pleading with him, please do not take our brother because we cannot go, we cannot go home with, without him. Because our father has already lost somebody. And if we were to come back again, we would not be able to face our father. It would surely kill him if we didn't bring Benjamin back. They have already uh, betrayed Joseph. They've already sold him into slavery. They've already been convicted full of shame and guilt and of the sin that they've committed against Joseph. And they're not going to go back without Benjamin. And there's all this commotion going on. And obviously tensions are rising and Joseph is getting emotional and the brothers are getting emotional and Joseph is thinking of his dad again and just wondering, man, I miss my dad, I love him. Like I haven't seen him in forever, does he know I'm alive? Like is my, you know, what, what's going on? And it finally, eventually it just builds up to the point that Joseph can no longer handle it. It says that he couldn't keep his composure in front of all his attendants so he called out and said, send everyone away from me. And no one was with him except for his brothers. And this is the moment that finally he reveals himself to his brothers and says, guys, it's me. I'm Joseph. I'm the one. I'm the one. It's me. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it and the Pharaoh's household heard it. He says, it's me. Is my father still living? But they couldn't answer him because obviously they just saw a ghost. They couldn't believe that Joseph was standing in front of their faces once again as the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. And Joseph says, no, 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 come near. I'm your brother. I'm the one you sold into Egypt. But don't be grieved or angry with yourselves for selling me here because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life. Once again, Joseph comes and, and, and shows that the father has his hand on him and he is sustaining him and he realizes that God sent me ahead of you to preserve life for the famine has been in the land for these two years and there's going to be five more years of famine. Verse 7 says this, God sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant within the land and to keep you alive by great deliverance. Therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. And he continues to praise God and show his brothers, you know what? It doesn't matter what you did because every single thing that happened, God was in control of it all. And now I'm the second most powerful man in Egypt. And the one person that you sold into slavery is the one person that's going to sustain you and keep you alive and feed you because of the goodness of our God. Not because of your shame or guilt or your sin, but because of how great our God is. And he says, Turn quickly to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says, because he's alive. God has made me Lord of all of Egypt. Come, come with me. You can settle here. Your children, your grandchildren, your flocks, your herds, everything you have, just come. I will sustain you. I will protect you. I will be here. Look, your eyes in the eyes of my brother, Benjamin, you can see that I'm the one speaking to you. Tell my father quickly. Tell my father about all the glory in Egypt and about all you have seen and bring him here. And I, I'm reading the story and I said, this story sounds so familiar to me. Why does it sound so familiar? What is it about this story that is bringing back something in me? And I realized, oh my goodness. 
I'm the brother that sold Joseph into slavery. I'm the brother that planted the robe into the blood to show the father that, that, that Joseph is dead. I'm the one that hated him. I'm the one that rejected him. But in this case, I'm not rejecting Joseph, but I was the one that rejected Jesus. I'm the one who yelled, crucify him. I'm the one who has blood on his hands for the death of Jesus. I'm the one who sinned deliberately and disobeyed the one who has come to love us and to redeem us. I'm the one. I'm the brother. I'm not Joseph. I'm the one that has betrayed him. But what I find that is the greatest love story in the history, which is the gospel, is that Jesus takes that robe and what it used to represent, the sin, the shame, the guilt, no longer represents that. He wraps it around me and Jesus says, this robe is no longer filled with, shin, with, with sin, shame, or guilt. It's filled with righteousness. And the blood that you used to cover up Joseph's so-called death is no longer that blood, but it's my blood that is cleansing you, that is on this robe, and you are clothed in it. And you can stand before the Father and claim that you are righteous because of what I have done. My Father has sent me before you. Somebody greater than Joseph, who was pure, who has done nothing but good, to die for my place. While I was still a sinner, Christ died for me, for you, for the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. Not that the world so loved God. No, the world rejected him. But in spite of that, he still sent his son to die for us and give us an opportunity to be reconciled to the Father. Then Joseph threw his arms around his brother, Benjamin, and wept. And Benjamin wept, and they cried together. Joseph kissed each of his brothers as he wept, and they talked. His father comes. They enjoy life. Things are going great. Eventually, of course, Jacob, Joseph, and his brother's father passes away. And the brothers get scared again. Man, now that dad's gone, he's really going to let us have it. He's going to get his revenge. And once again, we see Joseph full of God's spirit, say in verse 19, don't be, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You planned evil against me. God planned it for good to bring about the present result the survival of many people. Therefore, don't be afraid. I will take care of you and your children. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. What we intended for evil, God intends for good. And the greatest example that we have in that is in Jesus. The purest, most righteous person to ever live on this earth. God's providence. He uses all things and situations for good and for his glory. God fulfills his sovereign and redemptive purpose in us, even through the toughest moments in our lives. And so we're called to stay the course, enduring faithfully with the hope that he who is faithful will keep his promise. And so this morning I ask, what dreams are you waiting to be fulfilled? Because in the story of Joseph, God fulfills them. And you also realize one thing, it was never Joseph's dreams to begin with. It was God's. It was never Joseph's, it was always God's. His sovereignty and his providence. And in this world, we're called to glorify him, to love him, 
because he loved us enough to send his son to die on a cross. And you have that opportunity to be reconciled. Romans 10 says, if you confess with your mouth he's Lord, you will be saved. It's that simple. And so as we respond this morning, I pray that you reflect on that, that we would reflect on that. And we would trust that God will fulfill his promises. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you, Father, for reminding us through the story of Joseph of the gospel, of who you are, of what you've done to redeem us, to love us, to sustain us through deliverance. We thank you, Jesus, for the blood that was shed on that cross and for your salvation. It's in your most precious name that we pray. Amen. Will you stand as we reflect and sing to the Lord once again?